Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris, and I'm here with Steven. Hello. And Patrick. Hey. It's Christmas Eve. Hope you're all having a good time. If you're uh, celebrating that holiday with your friends, family, remote on Zoom, that's what we're doing. We're talking on Zoom. Uh, And if you're all alone this holiday, you're not really alone. We're here with you. God bless. God bless. Yep, you can have the sweet comfort of us bickering in your ears for an hour. <laughs> we'll be your surrogate family for the next hour or however long it takes us to uh, talk about the movie we watched this week. The Indonesian Netflix-acquired film, Kunti Lana. But first, what's been going on, guys? You uh, watch any horror movies or anything uh, in the last couple of weeks? Dude, I haven't really watched any new horror but i did have an extremely memorable and and christmas relevant horror experience in the past week i listened to the tales from the crypt christmas album which i already forget the name of but you know google tales from the crypt christmas album and there's i'm pretty sure only one of them uh but it is the crypt keeper just singing crypt keeper takes on holiday standards and basically every line is just a crypt keeper joke it's all sung in like the crypt keeper voice it's horrendously obnoxious and yet i also just laughed consistently through it it was so stupid and funny so thanks i guess to friend of the pod rowan from it slays for turning me on to that one oh that sounds dope that sounds amazing that is it since it is Christmas Eve, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to throw that on, probably on repeat. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. the Crypt Keeper. Also this week, I or in the past two weeks, whatever, whatever period of time it's been since the last episode that we did, I read Aliens Alchemy, which uh, turned out to be weirdly timed in a bittersweet way because it's Mm -hmm. a a comic book series drawn by richard corbin who died days after i read the series so that was i don't know very strange timing it was a terrible comic book series but his art was dope and it was great to see him draw the xenomorph but yeah man r.i.p to a real one richard corbin amazing comic book artist fantasy sci-fi horror just if you are not familiar with him already google his shit because it will blow your mind He's a real legend. That was, I mean, he was eighty. You know, it's it a sad loss, but yeah. um, not not completely unexpected. But he's been really formative to uh, getting me back into comics and especially horror comics in the last few years. I highly recommend if listeners want to seek him out if they're not familiar. Uh, he used to write for Creepy Comics, and there's a great collection of all of the horror shorts that he did, that kind of EC comic style, you know, horror with kind of a twist to the knife at the end of it. Ooh. Everything he did over the course of like 30 or 40 years, and it's only like 20 bucks on Amazon or something. Well worth checking out. Did I borrow that from you already and forget that I borrowed it from you? Because I feel like that may be the case. I have no idea, but you're welcome to borrow it again. <laughs> okay, Beautiful. Uh, I watched a really fun movie. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it's been a little bit buzzy lately. Um, a Netflix original 
called Anything for Jackson. Actually, I'm sorry, it's a Shutter Shutter original. Yes, I've heard, I've seen the title, but I have not. I don't know anything about it. It is a fucking blast. One of my favorite things I've seen this year. Um, I, you know, I won't spoil anything, but it's about an it's about an elderly couple. They've lost their daughter and their grandson, and they kidnap a young pregnant woman to do kind of a reverse exorcism to bring their grandson back from the grave. Very twisted concept, very twisted movie, but also there's some great dark comedy thrown in there as well, and some surprises. It gets pretty ghostly, and I will say I was riveted right up until the end. Had no idea where this thing was going to go. It's kind of like a dark comedy version of a of a dark song in a lot of ways. A lot of similar threads in those two movies. So highly recommend anything for Jackson on Shutter. Wow, I actually uh, consumed horror media. Since oh, we last what? spoke, can Good you believe job. it? Who who is this man? Well, you want to talk about video games? Because I played the remake of Resident Evil Two, and let me tell you, what a ride! Great, great game. Chris, let's play your video games. Yes, play. <laughs> let's play my video games. Uh, for for the, un- I mean, we've all you know we've discussed Resident Evil on this show before, but but for the uninitiated, basically what they have are doing is going back to you know the Resident Evil video games that came out in like 1998, 1999, and they're pretty faithfully recreating them, but with all the modern trappings you would expect in a game that comes out in 2019 or 2020. But staying faithful and staying true to what the original concept of survival horror, which is kind of a, a dying genre or was a dying genre you know a lot of horror games now are like either you run away and hide from everything or you shoot them all up but you know back in the day it was like just puzzle solving and going from point a to point b and solving problems like okay i got like two bullets and there's three zombies in the hallway between here and there uh, and I'm just trying to save a bullet for like the big monster that's in the next room. <laughs> I'm stressed already. I'm stressed say. just listening to this. It's a stressful experience. It's a, it was it was a great fun experience playing through the new Resident Evil 2. Really held my attention all the way through. You know how I solved situations like that when I was playing Resident Evil 4. When I died, I double back to the fucking merchant, buy a rocket launcher, and take care of that fucking situation. Yeah, that's a very Resident Evil 4 solution to the problem, though. You can't do. <laughs> that in resident evil 2 um but a fun game and you know spooky but not too spooky it has the right amount of like haunted house like oh god a body just fell through a window kind of like jump scare sort of stuff but it's not you know excruciatingly terrifying um fantastic also i took your advice and i watched deadly games and Uh yeah I did not like it. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I, I really did not like it. Bah oh, no. Bah humbug indeed. I don't know. It was just kind of obnoxious to me. And I, no comparison to Home Alone. Home Alone's much uh, better movie. I mean, any movie that uh, relies on a kid like having giant, unmotivated trap doors in his house is, is flawed flawed film it's not unmotivated he's an imaginative kid and that's his fantasy playground he can have anything he wants why wouldn't you have trap doors if you could afford it it's his fantasy playground wait it's it's the house it's like the house it's like the the corridor between his grandpa's bedroom and the dining room has like a gaping trap door in it for no reason that's ever explained it doesn't need to be explained like i said it's like he gets to he's like richie rich he can have anything he wants 
If I was the kind of kid that would dress up as fucking Rambo on a whim, I would make my mom install some trap doors in the house. I had the same thought. I was like, where the fuck did this trap door come from? But I just accepted that as part of the weird reality of the story. I was much more interested in, uh, you know, the, the weird drama and trauma that this kid was going through, like sort of semi-uncomfortably mixed with some humor and the visual pop of it like home alone doesn't give me that emotional resident resonance home alone doesn't give me that visual pop i i would watch deadly games a hundred times before i would watch home alone again you are madman you're madman it's I, I want, i'm like the santa claus it's pure escapist fun like it's the it's i i well you know me i, I love, think it was I that fun those. i thought it was boring <sighs> well okay well that's where you and i differ that that's the the fundamental flaw here, I think, is that you were somehow bored by this movie that, to me, is like a thrill a minute. <laughs> well, speaking of movies that kind of uncomfortably mix emotional drama and humor, we watched Kuntilana. It's an Indonesian film, came out 2018, so it's quite new. And uh, it's about a ghost woman, a, a mythical ghost woman, who seeks out the souls of children to replace the children she couldn't have yep and she's got this she lives in this alternate dimension in a haunted mirror we we have a prologue at the beginning it's a single father and uh and his young son their mother was killed in a car crash on which she was going to buy this little toy race car that he's playing with good thing she wasn't gonna buy him a toy alligator <laughs> toy spider <laughs> your logic doesn't <laughs> Hold up at all. I don't know oh, what you're he talking means, about. She, he means she died in a car crash, so if she was getting an alligator, she would have died in an alligator crash. Yeah. That's or, what a I'm bear, saying. or a bear crash. Or like a spider some, crash. some sort of horrible, hideous accident <laughs> involving a bear or an alligator. <laughs> That's going to be the next like sci-fi, shitty horror franchise. It's going to be like, alligator crash, bear crash, oh, spider I'm, crash. I'm here for it. So the dad's getting drunk to cope with his, his uh, grief, and the son is playing with the car, and they get all weepy and sad, and it turns out they have a haunted mirror, and it takes the son does it take the dad too no, no. The dad just sits there and cries no, the dad shows up later in the movie remember oh that's spoilers probably but the dad comes back dramatically yeah, yeah the dad comes back and by the time he comes back i'd forgotten whether or not he'd gotten sucked into the mirror or not so this movie's this movie's directed by a man named rizal mantovani who made a movie in 2006 with the same name yes. and then made two sequels to it so this is like a he he's rebooting his own Kuntilana universe. Yeah, and apparently, even by his own admission, the new film has very little to do with the original. I was actually kind of puzzled because I was looking at the Wikipedia, and I looked at the Wikipedia for the 2006 Kuntilana, and I was like, what the fuck? This has nothing to do with the movie I'm watching, and then went through the sequels and finally arrived at the one we actually watched. It's the Kuntilana Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Oh, God. And there's a, there's a sequel to this movie that came out last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They wasted no time following up this one. Whoa. So it has an audience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere. I mean, the, the Kuntilana is, I, I, I think the word I just used was mythical, which may not be a, like the correct word, but I mean, it's definitely something that is in Indonesian folklore. It's something people know this story. People know this concept. 
is is at least the impression I received from some cursory research. Yeah, and that's something I did like about this movie because I'm I'm down for any movie that introduces a new type of monster or cryptid that I haven't heard of before. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Just when you thought uh, you knew it all about the creepy, crawly things out there, you find out about the Kuntilana. Unfortunately, the Kuntilana... I don't know, to me, just wasn't really that interesting or distinctive compared to a lot of other sort of, you know, evil mythical creatures or cryptids or whatever you want to call them. It was basically uh, La Rona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mean La Yorona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, same Gringo. thing. Long hair, taking kids, yada, yada. I did like the opening incident of this movie i thought it was hilarious and right up my alley where basically we see this prologue where this kid gets taken by this haunted mirror uh then we you know meet who will become our main characters basically a house of of uh, four i think orphan kids who have been adopted into a new home of a wealthy woman well the wealthy woman has a cracked mirror in her bedroom yeah and her niece is like you should you should get a new mirror and so she calls her boyfriend and is like hey you should pick up a mirror for my aunt and he's like oh yeah no problem then he goes off to shoot his ghost adventures tv show at the house we saw in the prologue <laughs> he's, he's a like, fucking youtube star <laughs> she calls calls him and he's like oh fuck i forgot to pick up a mirror and then he looks over at like the junk pile of this haunted house and sees the mirror and just (laughs) takes that great setup love it this movie you know patrick texted us and said he felt like he was an hour and a half and he'd watch 45 minutes or something that that setup that you just gave us is kind of a perfect encapsulation one of my main problems of this movie is that it assumes that we've never seen a horror movie before and that we don't anticipate two steps ahead of the screenwriting like i knew as soon as we see that house oh yeah he's gonna pick up the mirror and it takes like 10 or 15 minutes for us to finally get there and it takes way too long for them to figure out that the mirror is haunted oh my god i mean (laughs) yes i was fairly drawn in by that prologue but i also felt it was a little slack and a little lacking in momentum And then I realized it was just a prologue. And I checked the time, and it had been 10 minutes that we had spent with these characters. I felt like I'd been building relationships. But this is just kind of the setup. And then we get into our other characters. And it just felt so, mm, like I said already, slack is just the word that fits this movie to me. It's just very uh, drawn out, especially for a movie that's an hour and 45 minutes. There's a lot of time with no significant plot momentum a lot of false starts i mean i mean we have like a legitimate prologue then we have what in you know another 10 to 15 minutes of what retroactively feels like a second prologue with the the acquisition of the mirror and then we're finally introduced to the five lovable little children (laughs) and cue like a completely different tone like suddenly we've got goofy slide whistle hijinks going on (laughs) oh yeah i guess we need to talk about the slide whistle because as i uh suggested at the beginning of this discussion there is a lot of comedy in this movie or at least what they think is comedy there's jokes where jokes quote unquote where it's literally just a kid calling another kid fatso and then there is this sound effect which i will play right now And I will play many times over the rest of this episode whenever one of us says something dubiously funny. Which is all the time. 
<laughs> yeah, seriously. It's like the same slide whistle from when the sheriff flies the car over the creek in the James Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just about. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's very weird juxtaposition. Just this super super lowbrow comedy that seems, you know, as Stephen kind of suggested earlier, like it's aimed at a kind of a completely different audience. It seems like it's just aimed at kids the age of the kids in the movie, which is, you know, I don't know, they range somewhere between, uh, what, like 6 and 12 or something like that. I'm bad at identifying the ages of children. I, I would say there, none of them are older than 12, but I would say it's probably even safer to say none of them are older than 10. Like, they're super young, and, like, it's pretty much their movie from then on out. We see everything from their perspective. The action follows them. But at the same time, I don't think it's safe to say this is a scary movie by any stretch of the imagination, But uh, for adults anyway. But I think it would be pretty frightening for kids that age which it seems yeah. the rest of this movie is made for i just really couldn't reconcile that in my mind yeah it's it's definitely hard to tell who they're aiming at exactly i i think if this movie works it only works as a as a family movie and targeted to be the most terrifying movie that a child that age has ever seen yeah, and the dumbest movie that their parents have ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. I, I love the kids though, um, and I, yes. you know, I I thought they were more endearing than most ensembles of children that I've seen in movies. Um, mm -hmm. I was laughing out loud multiple times at some of their banter and stuff like that. Call really? me crazy. Some of those slide whistle moments had me rolling. <laughs> <laughs> really I, can you can you give an example because I, I didn't find anything in this movie funny. um no i i like the girl who like says damn and it's like scandalous that <laughs> she says damn and there's oh. a few fun moments Ooh. where she's like blah 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 i don't know it's funny stuff but you know okay. it's not highbrow but it's, it, was, it was all cute I really like the kid. The one kid's just like me. You got oh, the yeah. one Chris. He's yeah. got an he's got an X Files poster yeah, in his bedroom. There's a, yes. there's a kid with glasses who sits in his room under his X Files poster and reads from his book of cryptids all day yeah. and wants to tell everyone else he knows about the cryptids. And that was absolutely me at that age. Oh, that was me too. I mean, I have that poster next to my desk in my bedroom, and I am essentially still that kid. Yeah. So I'm uh, a little jealous that you two have both matured so much past that point. Well, only a little. Yeah, yeah. very very negligible amount. <laughs> I still tell everybody about cryptids if they'll listen to me. You should hear me at work. I mean, I, there's no reason telling you guys about the Mothman, because you guys know about the Mothman. I go to work, <laughs> and I'm like... You ever hear about uh, what happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Richard Gere over here. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I also genuinely enjoyed, I guess I'll say the, the, the kids' performances. They all were convincing and charming, even if the script to me felt, you know, so slow-paced and just painfully unfunny at times. They all seemed like, fairly real kids and like endearing characters to me yeah they're endearing but i, I you know they kind of wore out their welcome for me after a while because this movie has so little momentum their caretaker is going off to san francisco to see her real children for a month they are left in the charge of a babysitter named lydia lydia yeah Lydia and uh, and you know her her boyfriend is the is the guy with the paranormal YouTube show who, who glanced in the mirror. Uh, and there's just kind of a lot of 
a lot of hanging out for a while. I don't remember yeah. a large stretch of this movie. Because we know the mirror is haunted. It's in the house. It's going to come into play. And there's just so much bullshit before that very basic plot mechanism really kicks off. Yeah, there is a lot of just padding kind of when things kick into semi-high gear is when they finally go back to the original house where the kid from the prologue was killed by the Kuntilana. And prior to that, it's kind of just the five kids hanging out at the orphanage, vaguely spooky shit happening. You've got an hour of it essentially going nowhere. It's just, like you said, Stephen, hanging out. I did something I'd never done before watching one of these movies. I, I went to this movie with a ton of enthusiasm. I turned off the lights. I got my popcorn. I was eating, I was ready for a, a film experience. I was eating popcorn. Maybe I ate too much popcorn and the salt went to my brain. Maybe it was the pacing of this movie. I got so, so tired. There was a point in this movie where I said, you know what? I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to take a 10-minute power nap, and then I'm going to watch the rest of this movie. And that's what I did. I had that moment exactly, I can tell you exactly how far. It was 13 minutes into this movie. I started to nod <laughs> off, Whoa. and I was like, all right, I'm pausing it, and I'm coming back. And I slept for, I think, maybe a half hour. It was really sweet. My kitten slept right on my chest the whole time. It was great. And uh, then I woke up and got back into it. And as I said, as Steven referenced already, I wasn't feeling it a ton, but I was just like, all right, I'm going to stick with this. And at a certain point, I was just like, oh my God, how long have I been watching this? It feels like it must be almost over. And I checked the timestamp and it was 50 minutes. My experience was similar to y'all's. I still had the lights on because I was just like kind of determined like I am sometimes to just like go into this movie expecting it to be a terrible experience i was like you know what no i gotta turn all the fucking lights off i gotta make it spooky in here i gotta get into this and i was into it you know even the goofy slide whistle stuff i was like okay this is throwing me off a little bit but i'm you know i'm enjoying these characters and about 45 minutes into the movie i got really tired and i said i was gonna take a little nap half hour nap woke up this morning went about my day and then realized <laughs> oh fuck we have to record this episode. I forgot that I didn't watch that whole movie. So I had to finish it at work. Wait, so you're so you're telling us you you your nap turned into your entire sleep. My for the nap night. turned into my entire night of sleep <laughs> and literally spent the first hour and a half of my day f having forgotten the entire experience. <laughs> amazing I know. it's just Wild. it's just dreadfully slow and you know i i say it so many times my least favorite thing in horror movies is the long sections where it's like dark someone's hearing some whispers they're walking around the house that's the entire movie and yeah. and then it never even gets past because you know they bring the all right they bring the mirror the creepy mirror into the house they're keeping it in like the attic until the aunt gets home or the mom gets home whatever so, like, the kids start hearing their names being called by the witch, by the by the Kuntilana, all that stuff. But, like, they're still just hearing their, their names being whispered until, like, an hour and a half into this movie. Like, usually that's the first 20, yeah. 30 minutes before the shit, like, before the premise develops. Mm -hmm. No, this is the whole movie. They're just hearing whispers coming from the fucking mirror until the end of the movie yeah yeah you essentially have a first act that lasts an hour a second act that lasts about 20 minutes and a third act that lasts about 20 minutes it's very weird and probably actually the third act lasts less time than i just said it does 
But, you know, there were some high points. Uh, the, the kids, like I said, uh, I thought were great. Um, the movie looks pretty good. Yeah. The cinematography's okay. There's It's dark, but they find opportunities to put color in. Uh, there's a few scenes where they get out of the house, they're in the woods and stuff, and everything just looks good. And I think it's because it's a Netflix original film. You know, I, I complain all the time about dark scenes and horror movies and how they're compressed onto Netflix. I think maybe this being an original production, they're able to like call the guy who has the movie on his computer and say, okay, export it this way. Because if you look at like the shadows in this movie on Netflix, so much detail looks fantastic you look at like would you rather or most of the movies we watch and like the shadows are all blocky and fuzzy and look like shit this was a very very pleasant viewing experience what a ringing endorsement <laughs> so chris would you view it cue it or screw it i'm i kind of feel like we're about ready to go there Honestly, i think we yeah. have to because <laughs> yeah this movie there's just like bizarrely little to talk about i mean we've we've hit the main points you go to the house where the kuntilana is and i guess that's kind of spoiler territory but we've already talked about pretty much what there is to talk about it's it's yeah i don't know it's so strange that I watch an hour and 45 minutes worth of movie and feel like there was this little actual content in it. It sounds like we're half-assing it, but... We're not, I really. Mean, and I'm glad that, that we're all on the same page for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, we, the only thing half-assing it is Kuntilana. We've got a mirror. We've got some lovable kids who are, are doing hijinks um, in between the spooky scenes. And we've got interminably slow spooky scenes. You know, it kind of has insidious energy, 1920 London energy. Like, I think uh, that's the kind of vibe they're going for. But, oh, oh. And, and, and honestly, some of it I did like. I did think some of the visuals were spooky. I did think some of the setups were had some potential, but it just you could easily cut 30, 40 minutes off of this movie <laughs> and only make it better. All right, so literally, would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Because we're reviewing it right now. Okay, yeah, I would screw it for those reasons. I, I really did try to find a way to get to a cue it because I think there are bright spots in this movie. Um, uh, the kids are good. Like I said, it looks good. I think there's some creativity involved. I always like being exposed to a new monster from a different t- uh, culture's folklore that I haven't seen before. Um, but oh, it, if this movie had just trimmed the fat and given me less of my number one pet peeve, which is people walking around in a dark house here in whispers and nothing's happening, if they'd cut all that out, I'd probably move it to a cue it. There's enough here to you know, make you say, okay, that was that was a movie, but... It would be like a 45-minute movie. So, screw it. Patrick, what about you? I uh, basically just co-sign everything you just said. It's a screw it for me. I think for the exact same reasons. I don't think I have anything else to add. (laughs) I have have nothing to add. I I just ditto. (laughs) Ditto to what you just said, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, ditto to what you just said, and I'll just kind of uh, ride on what I've said so far. But when I can, uh, I, I like—I don't like to just shit on movies all the time and leave our listeners with uh, something that is even less than the void of the movie that we just watched. Um, if you're interested in Indonesian horror cinema, uh, I've done a, a couple of deep dives into it over the past couple of years. And I would recommend that instead of watching this, you should go watch uh, pretty much anything by the director-writer Joko Anwar, particularly Satan's Slaves, which is a remake of an Indonesian horror movie from, I think, the 80s. 
that popped up on Shutter a couple of years ago. He's got a new movie coming out called like the Queen of Black Magic that looks gnarly as fuck. I got so excited about like, whoa, there's like new cool horror stuff happening in Indonesia, this place where I just like didn't even know what the horror what the movie scene in general looked like there, and this was just so goddamn disappointing. So check out Satan's Slaves. Don't waste a moment of your time on this piece of garbage. Yeah, and you know, I I guess I hesitate for a moment to like be too negative about it because and and this is kind of again repeating things that I already said I was just CCing Chris on but you know there are good things here I almost hate to shit on it because like these kid actors are all here and doing like a very earnest very uh, you know honestly really good job but man it just it just fails to land and uh it's just not good. I can't recommend anybody spend an hour and 45 minutes on it. It fails to land. It fails to even get off the ground, in my opinion. Like yeah. This yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to like it so bad. I have no malice towards this movie. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it might work. If there's anyone it would work for, it would be kids about the age of the characters in this movie who I think would not be too bored during the spooky scenes, especially if they weren't desensitized to horror stuff. But, you know... For our audience, you'd have to have kids that age who are willing to put up with the subtitles. So, yeah, good point. It's not a screw it with prejudice at all. It's just, you know, I can't even recommend someone think about watching this. Well, you all ready to go to the spoiler room then? Let's go to the Kuntilana house. Let's take that homeward bound esque journey across the streams (laughs) and forests (laughs) to get to the Kuntilana house. I had the same thought. But first. I'm going to remind you all, as always, to follow us on social media at AmonCast, E-H-M-O-N cast. Check us out online at everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. You can hit the buy merch link to buy our t-shirts and other cool stuff with every horror movie on Netflix art on it. You can uh, view the list of all the movies we've ever watched and the ratings we've given them there. And also review us on your podcast provider of choice. We love to see the feedback and it helps people find the show. Well said. I've had some practice, a little practice at this point. <laughs> well, we're head off to the Kuntilana house. If you'd like to go there with us, stick around or go off and watch the movie on your own. If you want to check it out for yourself, the choice, as always, is yours. We don't condone it, though. <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> in a bit. Welcome back. We're down here in the spoiler room, ready to spoil everything about Kuntilana 2018, not to be confused with Kuntilana 2006. I've been reading some Wikipedia about this uh, since we've, uh, they're over the break, and I'm wondering, and this is just pure speculation, I could take probably five more minutes to actually bring some verified facts to you, but um, why do that when I can just shoot from the hip? I suspect that maybe these remakes are geared to be more family friendly than the original trilogy of Kuntilana films. Oh. I wondered re- that myself. Reading the synopsis, it sounds like the originals are kind of fucked up. There's people dying, there it has a dark ending with the ghosts coming back out of the mirror. Like it doesn't sound like a like a kids movie. So maybe it's the classic case of the the hard-boiled director who makes the spooky films and then he's like, "I want something my kids can watch." And he still has 
has the right, he's still under contract to do three more Kuntilana, so <laughs> why not just make family-friendly versions? Yeah, nothing why like not? family-friendly horror, you know? You know, it's important to have family-friendly horror, and frankly, there's not enough of it. I No, I agree with you. I was being a little too snarky. I think gateway horror is... Um, I mean, it was really important to my upbringing, at least. And I think kids generally just have an inherent desire to, like, peek into the darkness a little bit. And and, in horror, whether it's comic books, young adult novels, you know, movies like Gremlins or whatever, or like a safe space to do that and figure out if that's something they're interested in or not. Unfortunately, what we get over here in in the States these days is shit like the fucking... Goosebumps movies or Eli Ross the house with the clock on its wall. <laughs> the, the Goosebumps movie was not that bad. Patrick and I saw it in no, I didn't. No, I saw it in the theater, not with Patrick, but I did see it in the theater. Yeah, you saw it with someone else. <laughs> I saw it with somebody else. <laughs> okay, maybe a better example would be like Hubie Halloween. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. God, <laughs> Chris is uh, breathing into his uh... breathing out my inhaler. Inhaler, yeah. A scene I still have no recollection of. <laughs> Your French inhaler. <laughs> Stamped a male, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we so we get to the Kuntilana house. As I like, hinted at before the break, there's this, to me, it was funny, montage of the kids like going on this little journey through the woods to get to the Kuntilana they house. They cross a river. Yeah, they do. That's where I started thinking about Homeward Bound. I was literally thinking about Homeward Were Bound. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, oh, my God. Because it's, And it's very much like how Homeward Bound terrain for, for a few of those shots. Good thing none of the kids got a thorn in their paw. I would have cried. <laughs> you know, I did kind of delight in the moment where... um. Like one of the kids, I think it's the 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 young Chris, point blank <laughs> asks the babysitter like about the house, and she's like, "Oh, it's not far from here. It's just through the woods." And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of magical. We're gonna get a little journey through nature here. Like mm-hmm. that, that's cool. That's very. That's just like a very like childlike fantasy sort of thing that this movie just embraced full on. And in and they, a way, it was kind of sweet because you could make that journey through the woods super creepy and have, you know, crows or whatever flying around, but it was just kind of this like sweet little kids helping each other get through the woods thing. And I'm making I made fun of it earlier because it it is a little silly, but it's also kind of sweet. The kids are smart. They know better than to go to the scary witch house at night. So they go during the day and they make a point to get back before dark, before the full moon comes back out. True. And then they wander all over the fucking witch house like a bunch of dumbasses. (laughs) Did we mention that they go to the witch house because the reality show, and it's the, and it's Glenn's reality show, right? Yeah. 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 That's, that's offering a cash prize to anyone who goes to the Kuntilana house and takes a picture of the Kuntilana. And the kids are like, oh, there's a Kuntilana that maybe has been haunting our house. Let's go to the Kuntilana house and see if we can take a picture of the Kuntilana. Well, and that whole thing with the, oh God, that was another just bizarre thing in this movie that like never paid off but yeah there's this like seemingly enormous cash prize it's it's like 10 million of whatever the currency is which is probably really like five dollars in, in in u.s dollars i have well, no idea enough to buy an xbox we know that oh yeah that's right that's right the one the one kid wants an xbox more than anything so he can play resident evil 2 yeah but it's apparently like a sizable cash prize and then they get a guest spot on the show and like that never pays off at all 
Like, I don't even know no. why that idea was introduced in the first place. Like, you know, these kids would have gone to the fucking house anyway because they suspect something creepy is happening. There was kind of a logical disconnect for me between the fact that the Kuntilana seems to be connected to the mirror, but almost seems to be more strongly connected to the original house in which it ate the child in the prologue. But the mirror which also seems to be strongly connected to it, is at the orphanage. And the Kuntilana is haunting the kids there. And I was just like, I don't know. It was just confusing to me that the Kuntilana had its presence kind of essentially split. It was almost as strong at either location. And I wasn't sure why we needed the two locations. I don't know if that's like an overly like sort of practical OCD concern of mine, but it was it was actually just kind of confusing to me. I No, I'm with you 100%, Patrick. That's not just you. I thought it was kind of jarring as well and totally unnecessary. And the mirror's already in the fucking house that we're in. Like, why can't we stay contained right. to this one set? Right. I wasn't entirely sure why we needed to go to what is described. We keep calling it the Kuntilana house, but that's only because they call it the Kuntilana house in the movie yeah. as well. I don't know. I guess because they end up running into the dad of the murdered boy there. Yeah, this, I, this house is the house from the prologue, yeah. which is either abandoned, dilapidated, or still fully furnished, depending on whatever the scene requires at any given moment. Yeah, and they wander around it a lot there. You get the sense of momentum, and then it's a lot more just wandering around and kind of weird shit happening. The one, uh, yeah, it's the oldest girl, it turns out, has uh, what's described as a, I'm going to mispronounce the word, but I, Wong, Wong Sit, I think is how they say it. It's um, the which, Shining. Yeah, it essentially translates to having a gift is how they translate it in the movie. And it means she has some kind of connection mm-hmm. with the Kutilana. So she's having visions and shit as she walks around the house. One of the kids sees the kid who died in the prologue and interacts with him. Uh, you know, it's there. there's some moments of spook, but it's, again, sort of aimless. You know, maybe, well, this is definitely a tangent, but while I was watching this movie, I kept thinking, like, you know what? If this were a grittier movie, if, like, if this were, like, a Stephen King adaptation, I would be fully on board with almost everything that uh, happens in this movie, at least, like, plot-wise or beat-wise. So these kids are just, like... They're just too cute and innocent. But, like, there's a moment where... There are a number of moments where I thought, like, oh, this could go dark and these kids could act like real kids do. Like, they go to the Kuntilana house and there's all the um, the liquor bottles from the alcoholic father. And, like, one of the kids, like, rolls one of them over. And I'm like, I feel like real kids, maybe not quite that age, if they're a little bit older, would, like... One of them would at least take a sip of it and things would get interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, w- I want to see, like, the dark, real-world version of this where, like, kids behave like actual fucking children do. You just want to see a mumblecore movie with a bunch of 10-year-olds getting drunk and talking shit. Yeah, I was going to say, these are young kids. <laughs> I don't know that these are kids that you want to see drinking. No, I don't want to see these kids drinking, but I'm thinking, like, if they were, like, the age of... Like, if, if, if I'm rewriting the movie, but if these kids were, like, same circumstances and everything, but if they were, like, the age of the kids from, like, Stand By Me or something... And, like, there was a little bit more of, like, a hard-edged realism to it. I would have loved that movie. But for what this was, and, like, the the kids are too young, and the movie's not interested in being all that scary, it was just kind of 
I don't even know what it is. It's just bland. Well, it would at least make things more interesting. Like when when the the father from the prologue emerges and, you know, grabs one of these kids and it's like, oh, you saw my ghost son? Show me where. Like, you're going to be my ticket to, to finding my son. And he, he projects some menace. He doesn't really project that much menace because it's inconceivable in the universe of this movie that this guy is going to, like, you know, kill this kid or anything. <laughs> you know right it just it just comes across as is kind of silly and and again like i wish the kids were a little bit older and the movie had like a little bit of a darker edge to it this could be because i rewatched super dark times right before i started watching this i don't know if either of you guys have seen that i highly recommend it but like the and those are teenagers um like young younger on the younger end of being a teenager i think but it's a movie that like really gets how kids behave and how they talk and how mischievous they can be and how unpredictable they can be. And everything in in this is just so like, just kind of toothless. It never feels like there are any stakes, even when like an actual menace shows up on the screen. I was kind of surprised to see the dad from the prologue again, because I, I don't know, again, it's a weird side effect, I think of how disconnected that prologue feels from the rest of the movie. I, I just, I thought we were done with those characters yeah. and I was kind of shocked when he showed up and started menacing the kids in the house. Well, because we had the ghost adventures people go to his house as if it were an abandoned house and yeah. do their yeah. whole show there. Yeah. And now it turns out, True. Oh no, the dad's still there. He didn't sell the house. In fact, he's really pissed off that people are like taking things from the house. Yeah. Really weird. I, I, I'm with you there too, Patrick. Like I was just like I, I really thought that that storyline had been completely wrapped up. I thought the kid that was taken would come back. Like that makes sense. But I thought the dad was just like out of the picture at this point, drank himself to death or whatever. You know, he lost yeah. his wife and his kid. Oh, also, we forgot to talk about this when we talked about the prologue before. But I thought it was hilarious. This was this was something I almost laughed at in the prologue when the dad finds the like. Like bloody footstool after his son gets killed by the Kunti Lana and he just sticks his hand in the blood and is just he's just rubbing the blood yeah. all over his hands and all over the mirror and sobbing and I'm like dude your son just died in a house alone with you probably don't get the blood on your hands right now it's it's gratuitous i mean he is just lathering himself up with it yeah. and he's also like not even like taking i mean i get it it's like a i can't even imagine what it would be like to walk into a scene like that but he doesn't even seem to like he's not even like casing the room and looking at where the blood is leading to listen like, i can imagine walking into a scene like that and i can tell you i would not touch the blood I would be shocked, I would cry, I would be horrified, I would not touch the blood. Well, nothing about that scene feels really genuine, but, you know, so you, you might as well have the melodrama of him just wailing with the blood on his hands. I, yeah, I mean, I loved it, and I laughed at it at the same time. Well, there's a lot of melodrama in that prologue that, like, actually made me, you know, giggle. <laughs> um, like, the kid going to sit down to draw a picture of his mom and just saying, I miss you, mommy, for what seems like oh. five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I thought you would like that, because I was like, oh, what's going? what this is, is this is sigil magic right uh is it he, yes, his mom's the dad. child's version of it he's Get his Grant mom morrison on the phone we're gonna <laughs> his, figure this out his mom's dead so he starts drawing a picture of his mom and then lo and behold his mom's back 
Yeah, I guess you're right. It didn't play like that for me, though. I was just like, oh, my God. The director is so happy that he found a kid who can cry convincingly, and he's going to milk this scene for all it's worth. (laughs) Oh, no. I I thought of you when I saw that scene. That's very sweet. I'm still working on my sigil magic. Hasn't worked for me yet. Yeah, I got a notebook full of sketches of, like, Labatt Blue. Sour Patch Kids. I was going to ask what you're trying to manifest. Yeah. That seems yeah. pretty attainable. I mean, you could even just like Postmates that in this pandemic. Uh, it's, uh, okay. Just waiting for it to appear through my mirror. Maybe I maybe I need an uh, older mirror. <laughs> oh, speaking of the mirror, and also to bring us back to spoiler room events and not shit that happens in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I One thing that did impress me and kind of spooked me out was the the two times that we see the Kunti Lana actually kind of step through the mirror. It's, you know, a thing that you've seen happen in a million movies, but I really liked the way that they rendered it. It looked creepy and cool and kind of different from any other incarnation of that concept that I'd seen before. Wow. I, I respect your opinion, but I could not disagree more. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. I couldn't disagree more. I mean, I think our, <laughs> I mean, look no further than our logo and... <laughs> Yeah, for an example, <laughs> that could look more interesting. Well, yeah, because that's what it was. It was basically like, oh, the, it, this worked in the ring. Let's do it here. The problem is, it's a good moment in the ring because the girl hasn't come out of the TV yet until you see it happen. The Kuntilana has been running all over the goddamn house for an hour and 40 <laughs> minutes. So why do I care that she's coming out of the mirror? Of course she comes out of the mirror. But they I, play I, it with all this gravity. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it didn't shock me necessarily. I just thought the way they rendered it was cool. I liked the way that she looked through the mirror and I liked the way that she came out of the mirror. The aesthetic portrayal of it was unique to me well on that point let's fast forward kind of to the to the ending here because ultimately what happens is the one girl who has the the gift uh realize and who has never really felt at home with the family that's the other like that's like the the thematic thing is she's you know looking for a and you get this very explicitly in the first (laughs) 20 minutes you know she sits there and and her her adoptive mother is like one day you will learn that this family loves you and you can be a part of this family. That's important or something. And in case you forgot that, they replay it yeah. later when she's figuring out this whole shit and, and becoming part of the family at the climax yeah. of the film. So for reasons, it turns out that she's the only one who can like put the witch back in the mirror. Um, and, and she does so by reciting a chant and summoning a giant nail from the top of the mirror that she can then use i guess she's as she's getting the nail the 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 kuntilana is being sucked back into the mirror and then she's told to hit the witch in the head with the nail i was hoping before they said that that was what she had to do i was hoping that she would shatter the mirror with the nail and it would just like shatter and shatter the portal and the the witch's head would get cut off oh that would have been fucking dope yeah. And we and we should clarify like you said giant nail and that is probably underselling it. Like this is a fucking railroad spike. It's a yeah. foot long. That's this built is a- into the mirror. We yes. haven't even described the mirror at all really. I mean, we're we're already talking about the end of the movie, but like I just thought it was hilarious in the beginning that Glenn thought this mirror would be perfect for, uh, for <laughs> yeah, this it's right in with the rest of the decor i'm like get bobby burke in here and he will tell you otherwise 
It's got a fucking creepy little kind of like clownish head on top of it with a spike coming out of its skull. <laughs> yeah. What impressed me about the mirror, there's a scene where the kids move the mirror and I was like, there's no way these kids are going to be able to carry this heavy ass mirror with this solid wood frame. That's uh, five kids. And, and the kids go and, you know, the kid like starts to touch the mirror and it, and it cuts and I'm like, ah, I knew it. But then in the next shot, you see all the kids, they're actually carrying the mirror. I was like, hell be damn those kids must be ripped <laughs> oh and most importantly we didn't mention that like the youngest kid is trapped in the mirror with the kunti lana at this point that's yeah. the kind of mo- motivating development for this whole finale oh yeah one of the actual family's kids gets sucked in uh it, by the end of it two of the kids have been sucked into the mirror yeah but it's all fine because when our our new hero becomes of age and and drives the railroad spike into the Kuntilana's face, the curse is lifted and the two members of the family just like apparently turn up. We see in an epilogue like they find one of them in the woods. They find one of them in a chicken coop uh, and then they find the kid from the prologue. But it's, it's too late for him. He is dead, but he can at least uh, be, be given a proper burial, etc. Well, and another thing that really really struck me as I, I don't know sort of ridiculous the way that this plot point was telegraphed and then came across as something that was supposed to shock us was that this girl dinda i think is her name if i remember yeah. correctly yep. uh is the one who has the wong sit the gift and like i don't know probably 45 ish minutes in like we hear about this wong sit the gift and like there's a dramatic shot of dinda like realizing she's had these visions and she has a vision at that moment and then later <laughs> towards the climax she realizes that she has the wong sit and i think we're supposed to be as shocked as she is that she has the wong sit right before she realizes she has it they're they're standing in front of the mirror and they're like shit who among us has the wong sit <laughs> And then she has to do all the thinking over again. Yeah. Oh man, it's I, it's it's interesting. Crazy. But yeah, that's that's the movie. Chris already explained the ending. The the chicken coop was hilarious to me because like it, like little Indonesian Chris is just sitting in the chicken coop, just kind of like contemplatively looking at chickens, and his family comes and he like looks up like he's been dreaming. He's like, oh. Oh yeah! Like hi, I'm I'm in the chicken coop. Glad you found me. I imagine this being like, like he turned up in a chicken coop like seventeen miles away or something, and so someone had to find him and then call the house and be like, "Are you the ones that had the missing boy? I think there's a boy in my chicken coop. Come take a look." <laughs> and he just like he's just been chilling there for days, not knowing what to do or where he was, thinking he was still in the witch's lair, yeah. and then the family shows up, um, but. The epilogue, the final scene of the movie is oh, everyone's yes. everyone's back together, and uh, um, our this guy puzzled me so much. <laughs> I had to watch it twice. I, did I watched too. it three times. <laughs> I thought I was missing something. I thought I was missing something uh, too. I am so glad that we have collectively watched it seven times and none of us figured it out because well, that just means it's not there. 
There's nothing not to figure there. out. There's, There's nothing the, to the figure out. The music is very misdirecting. They take yeah. a, they all they're all reunited. They take what is supposed to, what they say is like their first family photo, but earlier we've seen a picture Well, of, it's this is because of our hero Dinda uh who never felt like she was one with the family. Oh, okay. And I don't know if she was even in the photo, but so it's about her arc and her becoming part of the family and and seeing her adoptive mother as her mother, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Glenn, the ghost hunter, takes a picture with a, you know, a Polaroid, a, a, a like a modern Polaroid camera yeah, yeah. of the like six of them, and it's like, oh, our first family photo, and, and turns the the photo over so we can see it, and it's a nice family photo, but there's a music yeah. drop from like Insidious, where you're yeah. expecting to see the fucking Kuntilana in it's the really, photo. <laughs> since I watched it twice, it's weird because like the music is super pleasant. It takes a little bit of a twist, and then immediately goes back to the kind of pleasant score and i'm like wait like i went back and i'm like is there like a hidden detail is there like a ghost in the background no there's nothing i have no idea why that score took that turn in that moment i i feel like we need to drop in the music cue so that people can understand exactly what we're talking about here it is And I ran this back, as I said, three different times, and my mind started playing tricks on itself because I could have swore to God on the second or third view that, like, the kids' faces were distorting or something. No, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're not. I think I was just psyching myself out. But that music cue makes you think that you're seeing, you know, that final, like, sinister gotcha shot. No, it's not. a normal, happy family. There's nothing odd about that photo. And then we then we see that the mirror winds up in like a fucking antique sale or something and it's gonna end up in somebody else's home sequel is there like a post credit scene it's not even post credits the credits start and then like 20 seconds later we get this shot i didn't that's too long immediately i was done we get this sweeping shot of like a bunch of artifacts and like i don't remember if it's like a like an antique it's like you know like a barn or something there's all these like weird exotic old artifacts and like the mirror is there so we know that like it's out of the house somebody somebody else is gonna wind up with it in their home it's gonna show up on like fucking antique road show and some (laughs) unsuspecting antique collector is gonna get haunted by the kuntilana it's gonna show up in london in fucking 1920 Uh uh-huh all right should we uh, stick a nail in the head of this discussion? God, please, yes. Yeah, I, I, I guess that just about sums it up, right? Um, what the hell are we watching for the next episode? Well, it's our year-end episode, so technically nothing. I mean, it's the, the end the, of the year already? I know, right? Jesus Christ. 2020's over? It's all over? We made it? And then on January, we're not going to have any of the problems that we've been having for the last year. Everything's going to be good. COVID's going to be over. You know, uh, Bernie's going to be president. (laughs) 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 But yeah, year-end episodes, something we always get very excited about because, I don't know, we just always have a good time on those year-end episodes. You know, we drink a cup of Old Lang Syne. Uh, you know, we name our favorite and least favorite Amon movies of the year. We hand out the Spirit of Jay Award. It's just, it's a good time. We just vibe. We just, we just vibe. vibe. We just, just vibe. We don't have to, and we get to talk about all the things we really loved about the past year. We're not bound to a shitty movie like Kuntilana and have to make an episode out of that. We get There's to, no homework? 
like like a little, like little bit of homework I oh, mean, like it's definitely gonna be homework for me because my memory is terrible and i have to try and reconstruct what i actually watched this year so i can remember what was best and what was you worst. have to watch everything you watched this year again i to do make it's your actually ratings. more homework than any other episode because <laughs> i have to watch every movie but for the listener you know you're not gonna have to listen to us uh talk for 30 minutes about a movie that you didn't watch because you didn't have time to watch a indonesian family horror film for an hour and 40 minutes uh this week no we're just gonna get buzzed and talk about shit yeah and you know what you can get buzzed with us just you know put put us on your uh on your commute and uh have a couple cold ones with us and <laughs> Chris, commute. Chris, commute. no one commutes anymore <laughs> no one commute telecommute <laughs> put us on, on your telecommute. is it legal is it legal to drink and telecommute is it legal to tell people to drink and commute? I, I, I didn't mean that. That's parody, parody, <laughs> satire, parody. But after that, we're going to be back to our usual bullshit, and we'll be watching a movie every episode again. And Chris is going to be the next one to pick. Chris, do you want to pick a movie right now, or do you want to nope. wait until the end of the year-end episode? No, nope, I'm going to keep you in suspense. Okay, very good, very yeah. good. I prefer right. it that way. All right. Well, we're going to see you in a week instead of the regular two weeks because, you know, year end special occasion. So we'll be there with you on New Year's Eve. In fact, fuck the telecommute. Put us on, like, line this shit up so that the episode ends at midnight, New Year's Eve. Yep. That'll be in seven days. You put the slide whistle there. see you then yeah for every horror movie on netflix i'm chris i'm patrick i'm steven bye-bye merry christmas if you're into that shit ho 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 saw a monster in the mirror when i woke up today a monster in my mirror but i did not run away I did not shed a tear or hide beneath my bed. Though the monster looked at me and this is what he said. He said, wubba, 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 woo, woo, woo. Wubba, 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 and a doodly-doo. He sang, wubba, 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 so I sang it too.